Welcome to the Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. This simple, scripturally sound preaching and teaching of the Word of God will direct you to Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Follow the Shepherd's Voice into the green pastures that God has purposed for you. There, you'll find rest for your soul and the fulfilled Christian experience you crave. God bless you as you listen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let us pray, family. Father, we give you glory. We give you honor. We praise your name. And we want to thank you for another time in your presence. Time that we don't take for granted. We don't want to ever get to a time where we begin to feel that these things are just normal. They happen as a matter of course. We can always come to church. We can always come to your presence because it is not always like that. There are nations where people cannot gather to worship you and praise you. There are places where it is a crime to gather in the name of the Lord. But we have that liberty and that freedom to come into your presence. Father, help us to cherish and value such times. And not begin to see how precious they are when the opportunity to do so is taken away from us. Tonight, oh God, we ask that you would impart our lives and bless us in a very intense way. I pray for everyone here tonight. And I pray for all those watching. I pray for those who will watch later on. I pray for those who will listen to the message. Let everyone be imparted by your spirit and by your power in the mighty name of Jesus. We give you glory and we give you honor in Jesus' mighty name. And let the people of God say, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Give Jesus a hand clap, everybody. God bless you. And you may be seated. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Now, last week, I began a series on the will of God for our lives. The will of God for our lives. And I explained to you that the word will is from a Greek word, thelema, which means determination, purpose, wish, inclination, choice, decree, pleasure. All right? So the will of God really is what God has determined, what God has purposed, or what God wishes to be done. Hallelujah. So that is what the will of God is. Now, if you are a very serious Christian and you really want to please God in your life, you will be interested in the will of God and you will be concerned that you are always in the will of God. Hallelujah. If you're very serious about your Christian experience, you would recognize how essential the will of God is for your life and for everything concerning you. And so what I'm sharing with you is a very, very important subject concerning the will of God. And the reason why I'm sharing it with you is so that you will be interested in the will of God being done in your life. And so that you can pursue the will of God for your life. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, I shared with you last week that there are two dimensions to the will of God. There is what we call God's sovereign will. Which has to do with what God has determined will be done and which cannot change. So that is God's sovereign will. It means that there is something that God has decided will be done. And nothing anybody does or doesn't do will change anything. It cannot be stopped. 
a good example was Jesus having to go to the cross. Now, although Jesus went to the garden of Gethsemane and he prayed and he said that, Lord, if it is possible, let this cup pass me by. The truth of the situation is that it was not possible for the cup to pass him by because God had determined even before the foundations of the earth that a time like that was going to come when he was going to send his only begotten son to pay the price for the sins of mankind. And so Jesus prayed all right, wishing that the will of God will change, but it could not change because what he was dealing with was the sovereign will of God. Everybody say the sovereign will of God. Then apart from that, there is what we can call God's commanded will or God's will of command, which is to say that there is something that God commands us to do, something that he wishes us to do, something that when we do it, it will please him. But we have a choice whether we are going to do it or not. So there's something that God wants. That is his will for us. He has expressed it through his commands, through his instructions, through his laws, through his statutes. That do this, do that, do this, do that. But we have a choice whether we're going to do that thing or not. That will of God is what we call his commanded will. Amen. And this is the will of God that we can actually disobey and fail to do. Because I explained to you last week that when God created man, he placed in us what we call our will or our will power. And it's a certain power to make choices and to take certain decisions for yourself. God did not create us as robots. He didn't program us to behave in a particular way all the time. But he placed in us a certain power and ability to decide what we want to do. And according to the counsel of his own wisdom, he felt that this is what he wanted to do. And because he's given that thing to us, he has given us, if you like, the liberty to make choices for ourselves and to decide things for ourselves. He's not going to impose anything on us. Anything that God wants to impose, it will be done under his sovereign will. But when it comes to his commanded will, he gives you and I the liberty and the opportunity to choose and to decide for ourselves. Even though he wants us to choose what he wants, what he likes, what will please him, he will not force us to do that. But what you have to realize is that a time will come when we will give an account for the choices that we made and the decisions that we took. Now when we talk about the will of God from that angle, then what we are dealing with is God's commanded will which you have the liberty to do or not to do. But remember that you will give an account for it. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Now, in heaven, you must understand that both aspects or dimensions of God's will are done there. Like God's sovereign will and God's commanded will are always done in heaven. And that is why Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer to pray in Matthew 16 that may your kingdom come soon may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven so in heaven God's sovereign will is always done and in heaven God's commanded will is always done but on earth his sovereign will is done but his commanded will is not done so for example he says to us in 1 Thessalonians chapter um, 5 verse 18 it says be thankful in all circumstances that's the will of God that no matter what we are going through no matter what is happening to us no matter what we are experiencing no matter how things are whatever our challenges are God's instruction is that we should be thankful under all circumstances question is are we thankful under all circumstances the answer is no so it is the will of God that we will be thankful 
in all circumstances because it goes on to say for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus God's will for us is clear in this verse that we will be thankful under all circumstances but we are not we are ungrateful and we complain about a lot of things and we are unhappy when things are not going a certain way for us so God's commanded will is be thankful in all circumstances but we don't carry it out which shows that we are dealing not with his sovereign will but we are dealing with his commanded will everybody say commanded will of God hallelujah now when we talk about the will of God being done in our lives really the focus is on his commanded will because his sovereign will is not something that you can change so whether you like or whether you don't like oh it will be done but the issue really has to do with his commanded will for our lives what he wants for us what will make him happy if we do that is his commanded will and what i'm sharing with you about god's will being done in our lives is in relation to his commanded will two important things must be clear to you one is that god has plans and purposes for each and every one of us god has a plan for you god has a purpose for you god has things that he wants you to do and accomplish in this life so in Ephesians 2.10, which we read last week, it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So there are good works that God has planned and purposed and intends for us to do. When you become born again, once you surrender your life to Jesus, when you become part of the family of God, God has a plan for you to do good works. So that is his will for us. Amen. Amen. Then the second important thing that you should know about the will of God for our lives is that for the will of God to be done in our lives, we must allow him to direct our steps. Remember that we are dealing with his commanded will. And with his commanded will, he will never impose himself on you. He wants you to exercise your freedom of choice to surrender your life to him and say that, God, I want you to take over the steering wheel of my life and drive and guide and direct my life. Until we give that release to God, to do that with our lives. He will never impose himself on you. God will never force you to do anything that you don't want to do. Never. But you must understand that there is a day of accountability. When you will stand before him and say, Hey, you, I gave you the liberty to choose me. To choose my will for you. To follow my plans for you, but you rejected me. Is that not so? Why did you do this? Why did you do that? And I explain to you that for rejecting me, these are the consequences. Away, bus. To where? To a terrible place called hell. Which is a place for all those who reject God, reject the counsel of God, reject the plans and purposes of God for their lives. May God have mercy on our souls. Hallelujah. So two things very important for us to know about the will of God. That God has plans and purposes for our lives. And whether these plans and purposes will come to pass, whether the will of God will be done in our lives, depends on the access that we give to God in our lives. Amen. Now, for today, so this is part two of the will of God for our lives. I want to share with you how to be guided into the will of God for your life. How to be guided into the will of God for your life hallelujah now let me state here that whether the will of god will be done in our lives or not depends on the choices we make or the decisions we take please write this down whether the will of god will be done in our lives or not depends on the choices we make 
or on the decisions we take whether the will of God will be done in our lives or not depends on the choices we make or the decisions we take so if the will of God is going to be done in our lives it means that we must make good choices and we must take good decisions amen please don't forget that what we are talking about here in relation to the will of God is his commanded will his commanded will where you and I have a choice to carry it through to follow it or to reject it so I'm saying that for the will of God the commanded will of God to be done in our lives then we must choose well and we must take decisions that will cause that will of God to be done in our lives. Which means that the will of God being done in our lives or not is dependent on the choices we make and the decisions we take. So if we want the will of God to be done in our lives, it means that we must look at our choices and decisions very critically. Because that is what will determine if the will of God will be done or not. So really, in trying to be guided into the will of God for our lives, it means that we must be guided in our decisions and in our choices. So number one, these are like guidelines that should help us in pursuing the will of God for our lives. And these guidelines are supposed to influence our choices and our decisions as we live our lives. So the first one, does your decision agree with the word of God? Does your decision or your choice agree with the word of God? Because you want the will of God to be done in your life. And for the will of God to be done in your life, there are certain choices and decisions you need to make. So the will of God is connected to your choices and your decisions. So now, as you are choosing and as you are deciding certain things concerning your life, a question that you must ask yourself, if you really want the will of God to be done in your life, is this. This choice that I'm making, this decision that I'm taking, does it agree with the word of God? Because the word of God reveals the will of God. And if you ask me, how can I know the will of God for my life? Most of the things to do with the will of God have been spelled out in his word. So if you are taking a decision and you're making a choice for your life, who to marry? How to live my life. How to deal with different situations in my life. The, um, an important question that you must ask yourself is, this step that I'm taking, this decision that I, 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 am, I, am, I am taking, does it agree with the word of God? If it doesn't agree with the word of God, then it means you are outside the will of God. But if it agrees with the word of God, then generally speaking, you can say that I am in the will of God. Hallelujah. Look at Psalms 119 and verse 105. Psalms 119 and verse 105. It says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Hallelujah. Your word, the word of God, is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. So the word of God is supposed to guide us. It's supposed to direct us. In your decisions, in your choices, if you want to be in the will of God, and if you want God's will to be done in your life, then one of the things that you must always operate your life by is the word of God. It must be a lamp unto your feet. 
and it must be a light unto your path. Now, if you are walking, I want you to imagine walking on a very dark road. The lights are off. That means ECG has collected its light. The moon is not up. The stars are not twinkling. Very dark. And you have to go somewhere. How are you going to proceed? What would you need to proceed? A torchlight. A torchlight. So that torchlight is going to be a light or a lamp onto your feet and the light onto your path. So you shine it down and then you step. Now you cannot see very far with the torchlight but you can see enough to be guided to where you have to go. When you shine it straight ahead to you it only lights your path up to a point. But it's not something that you need to worry about. Once you can be guided step by step, by the grace of God, you will get to your destination without stepping on a snake or a scorpion or a frog. Do you see? Just because you have a torchlight. Now, you must know how to use the torchlight to turn it on. Most phones, including yams, have lights. You have to know how to turn it on. Otherwise, you have it. And it has the ability to lighten your path. But you don't know how to turn it on. So, you just, ah, I dare your son is saying, I dare your son is saying. But there's a way to turn it on. So, you must actually turn it on and you must actually use it. And if you do that, it will guide you and it will direct you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that is what the word of God is intended to do in our lives. We live in a dark world. And the world is a dark world because of the evil in it. Because it is under the control and the dominion of the prince of darkness, the devil himself. There is a spiritual world out there. We are living in a physical world. And there's so much happening around us. As you are taking decisions for your life. How can you be sure that this step that you are taking and this move that you are making, you are not going to land in a ditch. You are not going to hurt yourself. You are not going to harm yourself. That is where the word of God comes in. It becomes a lamp unto our feet. And a light unto our path. To guide us. To direct us. To show us what step to take. And every child of God. Must learn how to use the word of God. For yourself. Which is why you must know God's word yourself. You cannot just depend on what somebody else tells you. You cannot just depend on your pastor. You cannot just depend on your prophet. You cannot just depend on your church. You must have a personal relationship with God and you must become an expert at wielding the word of God to guide you and to direct your steps in this very dark world. And that is why I emphasize the teaching of the word of God in this church. And all true churches emphasize the word of God more than anything else. 
if you want to know what church, which churches are good churches ask yourself how much emphasis do they place on the word of God any church that just depends on dilation and even, even with prophets even with prophets if you want to know a true prophet from a false one check and see how much word is in that prophet check does he just come and talk about his experiences and his encounters devoid of the word of God then you know that you are dealing with a very dangerous person and ladies and gentlemen the word of God is everything and that is why it is emphasized in all true churches So the Bible says forever O Lord thy word is settled. A lot of things will come and go. But your best bet and your safety and your security is in the word of God. Hallelujah. And I'm saying to you you must know the word of God for yourself and you must know what it says about different things. Don't just live your life based on what your pastor says, what your church tells you. Because I must be quite frank with you. Eh? Your pastor and your church can lead you astray. <laughs> You'll be surprised. You will be surprised. Look, just this evening, I, I, I received a message from my nephew. He lives in North you know, America. Actually, he lives in Canada somewhere. And he sent a message to me. You know, he, he was giving me information about certain decisions that he was taking. And along the line, he chipped in and said that he's, he's confused because of a certain stance that the church that he goes to has taken. And you won't believe what stands the church has taken the church is considering it's not yet taken but it's considering taking a decision where god the father and jesus christ will not have any gender you know when we are referring to god and to christ we refer to him as he so now a certain church is considering taking a decision that when we are referring to the father and to the son we don't need to make reference to he we can make he or she yes so there is madness going on in the church and this my nephew is saying that he's, he's quite disturbed about all of this and it's affecting his faith and I explained to him that your faith in God must be dependent on your personal relationship with him not not what the church is saying and so if you realize that the church that I'm going to is leading me on a certain path that is against my convictions and against what I know out of my personal relationship with God I cannot follow this thing for my life that's the message that I sent to him and I'm saying the same thing to all of you. You had better get to know God for yourself. And know the word of God for yourself. Why do you think we've instituted operation read through the whole Bible in one year? I'm trying to get you to know the word of God for yourself. If you take advantage of this operation, by the time the year 2023 will end, you would have had a precious experience of God and of his word. And there are things that you will find out and you will know about God that you never knew before. It will enrich your relationship with him. I'm telling you. So as you want, as you are looking at the will of God being done in your life, I'm saying to you that for the will of God to be done in your life, it means that you must make good choices. And you must make, you must take good decisions for your life. 
Now, in taking those decisions and making those choices, you must ask yourself that what I am trying to do, does it agree with the word of God? If it doesn't, push it aside. If it doesn't, what should you do? Push it aside. Push it aside. And no matter who is preaching to you, look, I will be so happy with you. If you are able to come to me and ask me questions, say, Pastor, you said this. I don't really understand it. I'm struggling to, 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 to reconcile what you're saying with what I know about God myself. I'll be so happy if after every service, when you go, you will take your Bible yourself. Pick up your notes. Which is why you must take notes when you come to church. Either on your phone, your tablet, or you have an actual notebook. You must. If you don't do that, I question your commitment and your seriousness in God. I don't lie to you. If all you do is just come to listen to me. I'm not a social commentator. I'm not a motivational speaker. When, when, when you go for programs and you have all these motivational speakers, Denzel Washington and all of those, you can just listen to them talk, 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 talk. And you don't have to write anything. But that's not who I am. I am a preacher. I'm a teacher of the word of God. How can you sit in a classroom and you don't write notes? You will fail totally. You will flop totally. Because you don't take notes. And some of this is when we say that you think that we are making a lot of noise and all of that. I'm telling you something that can actually save your soul. So when you come to church, you hear the word of God being preached. and all. When you go back, pick your notes. Look at the scriptures that were referred to. Do a deeper search into what you heard. That is what you must train yourself to do. In the Bible, actually, there is a group that is recommended for that. Look at Acts chapter 17, verse 10 to 11. Eh, let him be happy in the house of the Lord. In the presence of the Lord, there is liberty. Acts 17, verse 10 to 11. The Bible says that that very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. So Berea is a place, one of the places in Asia Minor. When they arrived there, that is Paul and Silas, they went to the Jewish synagogue or synagogue. Which one do you like? Synagogue or synagogue? Synagogue? No problem. So they went to the Jewish synagogue. And now look at what the Bible says. And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. So Paul and Silas had ministered in Thessalonica for some time. And they noticed that there was a difference between the believers in Thessalonica and these new believers in Berea that they had just arrived to minister to. What was the difference? It says they listened eagerly to Paul's message. Now take note of the next thing that was said about them. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. <laughs> they set the scriptures so anytime they go for service and, 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 and Paul comes to minister and share the word of God with them when they go back they go and search they take their bible and search through and find out whether what Paul and Silas taught them was the truth that's what all serious believers must do you just don't swallow everything that is thrown at you, hook, line, and sinker. You destroy yourself. It is only when you are into the word of God, you know the word of God yourself, that it can guide you in your decisions. And it will end up being your salvation. 
And once you know the word of God for yourself, nobody can just be manipulating you. Because there's a lot of manipulation in the church today. A lot of manipulation. And we, the pastors, we teach in a certain direction so that we can tighten our control over your life. Father, have mercy on us. A lot of manipulation. Trying to get people to do things that will inure to our benefits. That's what we have become. So, we, a, a lot of us pastors have become like schemers. Like con men. Trying to always come up with things that will make us control people, have power over them, direct them, and, and, and all, all of that. Yes. We are shepherds. Under shepherds. Under the great shepherd Jesus Christ himself. And by all means, we are going to direct and guide the sheep under us. But you see, there is a certain point when the whole thing now becomes a manipulation and controlling of the people because we have an agenda and to be able to meet that agenda we must be able to control the people as though they don't have a mind of their own so we present ourselves as pastors to them as, as, as those who have their future and their destinies in our hands nonsense that's my response to that. So it's I hear pastor say that your 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 destiny is in my hands. Your destiny, your your destiny. Somebody's destiny is in your hands. Who do you think you are? But then when God blesses us and we start seeing certain things in our ministries and all of that, then we begin to think that we 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 we, we, we are something that we are not so my friends if you want to be secure in this life if you want your life to be guided by the will of God if you want to end up in a good place in this life then your decisions your choices must be based on the word of God. And if you want to know whether the will of God, what I'm doing, this choice that I'm making, this step that I'm about to take, is it really the will of God for my life? The first question you must ask yourself is, this decision that I'm taking, does it agree with the word of God? Let me give you some examples. So, let's say that you are angry. Angry. So maybe you are angry with your husband or you are angry with your wife because of something that she did, something that she did. So you are so angry that you want to walk out of the marriage. You want to sack her. <laughs> now that's a major decision. Is that not so? So before you go ahead to take that decision, you must ask yourself that this decision that I'm about to take, what does the word of God say about it? Then if you know your word, it will take you to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. It says, Ephesians 4, 26, 27. Can we read it together? Ready, go. So it says, so the King James says, be ye angry and sin not. Because sometimes when people are angry, they want to swing. They want to throw things. When you are angry, you want to beat her. I know of a wife, when she's angry, she breaks things. She breaks things. And there are times when she has threatened her husband that I'm going to choke you. 
So you are trying to take a decision to choke your husband. What does the word of God say? It says, be ye angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. So out of your anger, you are trying to take a certain decision. You must remember what the Bible says about anger. Look at another scripture. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 9. New King James Version of the Bible. It says, do not hasten in your spirit to be angry. For anger rests where? In the bosom of fools. It means that as you are letting the anger control you, you have joined the company of who? Fools. Are you afraid to say it? Eh? It means that you become a fool when you let your anger control you. Never take a major decision for your life when you are angry. Or even when you are sad. When you are emotional. So you can see that when it comes to anger, there are things the word of God has said about it. So it will guide you to know that I can't take a major decision for my life based on the anger that I'm feeling now. I must deal with the anger and so that I can think straight before I take any decision. Hallelujah. I'll give you another example. So let's say you are not happy with your parents. And you've decided that I'll cut myself away from them. I don't want to have anything to do with them again. Because there are people who don't talk to their parents. There are people who don't talk to their... They don't talk to their father. They don't talk to their mother. Because of certain things that happened. So, so maybe they've done something and you are bitter about it. You want to cut off links with them. Ask yourself that what does... Is that, does the word of God have something to say? about this thing that I'm trying to do. And if you know your word, it will take you to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 and 2. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. New Living Translation. Honor your father and mother. What must you do to them? honor them. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. That means that your longevity on this earth is greatly connected to your relationship with your parents. So that's why you have to be very careful you have to really be very careful. However your father is, however your mother is, you have to be very, very careful. And when all you do, try not to dishonor them. Now, some parents can provoke you, eh? How many have been provoked by your, your, your parents before? <laughs> there, are, there are parents who are unreasonable, very provocative, and sometimes you, you even look back at your life and you realize that some of the challenges that you are dealing with in life today, it is because of your mother. Or it's because of your father. So when it's like that, there's a tendency to be very bitter against them and not want to have anything to do with them. But before you take any such decision to cut yourself off completely from them, Ask yourself, what does the word of God say about it? And it's clear from the word of God, your well-being. It says things will go well for you if you honor your father and your mother and you'll have a long life on the earth. How many want to have a long life on the earth? One of the things that will enable you to do that is when you honor your father and mother. That means you respect them. That you treat them with a certain dignity, no matter how they are. Do you like the examples? So let's say that you are under pressure to marry somebody who is not a believer. You are under pressure to marry. 
Maybe you've been waiting for a while. Now nobody is coming. And you two, you want to marry. It's like you've gone for other people's weddings. I'm afraid what bread? Me too, I want my own. Others should rather gather. Others should gather to, to celebrate my special day. Then an unbeliever, and you know that he's an unbeliever. You know. Maybe it's, it's, it's your, 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 your parents who are putting pressure on you to marry the guy. Because parents can really pressurize you to take certain decisions for your life. So this is what is confronting you. What do you do? You have to take a decision. Am I going to flow along with this guy or I'm just going to push him away? It's a major decision for your life. So now the question you need to ask yourself is, what does the word of God say about these things? This step that I'm taking, does it agree with the word of God? If you are into your word of God and you must be into the word of God so that immediately when things come up, certain scriptures should jump up at you. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14. New King James Version. 2 Corinthians 6 14 to 16. New King James Version of the Bible. It says do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Did you see that? Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What are they saying? You see, a yoke in, in, in those days a lot of their plowing and preparing the land for planting and all of that was done by cows or oxen. So what they used to do was they have the plowing device and they attach it to the necks of the oxen. So they put two of them together and then attach the plowing device to them. So then as they walk through the land that you are preparing for planting, the plow will be turning up the soil and getting it ready for the planting. Now, it's an unequal yoke. If let's say you decide to put that thing, that yoke, on a cow and a dog, Because they are two different animals. It won't work. <laughs> you won't be able to plow the thing. So you can describe that as an unequal yoke. They, they, they are not equal. So you can't use them to plow the land. Now the Bible is saying that we must not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That is to say that they are different from us. An unbeliever is somebody who does not believe in Jesus and has not received him as Lord and Savior. An unbeliever is somebody who is not born again. An unbeliever is somebody who has not surrendered his life to Jesus. In case you don't know who an unbeliever is. He may be nice and tall. He may be fair with a beard. But the fact that he looks nice doesn't make him a believer. He doesn't smoke. He doesn't drink. He doesn't chase guests. He may not do all of those things, but the cardinal thing you need to ask yourself is, has he surrendered his life to Jesus? Has she surrendered her life to Jesus? Has he or she received Jesus as Lord and Savior? If they have, you will know. You can't hide it. So it says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? The children of God are called righteous. Those, so those who are born again are those who are described as righteous. Those who are not born again are described as lawless. It says what communion has light with darkness. The children of God are light. Believers are light. Unbelievers are darkness. Continue. And what accord has Christ with Belial? Belial is another name for Satan. It's like what agreement or what arrangement, what contract is there between Christ and Satan. And he says, or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? So when this issue comes up, you are under pressure to marry an unbeliever. And marriage is a major decision for your life. 
who you marry can greatly affect your life and the outcome of your life it does actually it really really does and sometimes your life can be totally messed up and you can turn into something that you are not because of the kind of person that you get married to. of course you can't also put the blame all the time on somebody else but then again when you were going to marry the person did you really think through things carefully did you look at things well did you analyze things well did you so you can't just keep blaming somebody else for your issues so as you are taking a decision as to who to marry and spend your life with and by the way look if you are a christian and a believer don't be deceived by the rate of divorce in churches eh to think that it's okay to marry and walk out of it don't be deceived by it never mind that there are senior men of god women of god who are divorcing all over the place left right and all of that don't be deceived by these things when you enter into marriage your mind must be that the only thing that should separate this man and myself this woman and myself is death Of course you must understand what i'm saying you must understand what i'm saying look i can understand why sometimes somebody may wa- want to walk out of a marriage for example you are in an abusive marriage when his anger comes he beats you like a monkey so you have bruises all over if we don't take a one day, we will have your corpse. I can understand these things. So to everything that we say, you know, um, you, you have to understand the context in which I'm saying it. And the context with, with which I'm saying this is that thing about you marry and if you have some small challenge, things are not working well and uh, you realize that, oh, there's not what I really wanted and all of that. So I'm walking out of it. There's a lot of that in the system. A lot of that. So I'm just saying to you. So for example, you, you, you have a question. Should I leave him? Should I leave her? What does the word of God say about it? Because it's a major decision that you are taking. Are you understanding what I'm explaining to you? I'm just trying to get you to understand how the will of God can be done in your life by allowing the word of god to influence your choices and your decisions and for that to happen you should know the word of god for yourself for yourself somebody is trying to persuade you to go and do something that's not right how do you deal with it maybe it's a bunch of guys who are into sakawa and you are struggling you are working but the work is not working <laughs> you are working oh, but the work is not working at the end of the month what they pay you it, it, it can't sustain you you can't do anything for yourself then these friends come and tell you about some new connection that has come in town so you have to go and do some internet fraud things create a facebook account pretend that you are a girl go and get some pictures of some nice chick be somewhere and use that as your profile and then look for an old man (laughs) in, in, in uk who is very lonely and is looking for somebody to say i love you and try and get into an arrangement with the person there are things that people do Sometimes they go to follow these witch doctors and all of that. They'll tell you that come. Uh, you have to go and lie in a coffin in the forest for three days. You lie in the coffin for three days and three nights. So your friends have come and they are telling you that brother you are struggling too much in this life. There's a way that you can make it. So this is what we can do. The question you have to ask yourself is that, hey, this thing that they are asking me to do, 
What does the word of God say about it? Proverbs 1 verse 10. New King James Version of the Bible. My son. Proverbs 1 verse 10. My son. If sinners entice you. Do not consent. So that's it. Because these guys. They don't believe in God. And they are trying to draw you into their things. Don't agree. That's what the word of God has said. So you, you, it, should, it should affect, based on this word of God, you should know what to do. Don't come and ask me. Don't, if you come to me and come and tell that pastor, some, my friends, they have come. They say that there's some uh, internet thing. I can marry some uh, 87 old woman in, in, in Canada um, who, who will take care of me and all of that. Pastor, should I or should I not? Me bow in should I or should I not? Why would you even come and ask me a question like that? You are 23 years. I'm going to my 87 year woman. <laughs> and your friends are the ones who are trying to draw you into these things. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Somebody has hurt you badly and you are struggling to forgive the person. How many have been hurt before? You've been hurt before. It really pained you. Hey, you've not been hurt before. Yeah, but you didn't raise your hand. Yeah. And you were very hurt. So, what do you do? And you told her, I'll never forgive him. I've actually heard people say, I will never forgive him. I will never forgive him. You know? Now, how do you deal with such a situation? You must ask yourself, this i will never forgive him thing that i'm talking about what does the word of god say about it and if you know your word it will take you to matthew chapter 6 verse 14 and 15 new living translation if you forgive those who sin against you your heavenly father will forgive you but if you refuse to forgive others your father will not forgive your sins is it clear it means that if you don't forgive you will not be forgiven and you are in grave danger if your sins are not forgiven. If God doesn't forgive you your sins, I will be afraid to move through this life when my sins have not been forgiven. So as you are thinking of not forgiving somebody who has hurt you or offended you, what is the word of God saying about that decision that you are taking? He says forgive them so that your heavenly father will forgive you. Because if you don't forgive, your heavenly father will not forgive you. And you cannot afford to have God bringing up your sins against you. Keeping a record of your sins and of your wrongs. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is how you use the word of God to guide your decisions and your choices in life. If you want the will of God to be done in your life. You ask yourself, does the word of God agree with this decision? And with this choice that I'm taking. is the first guideline to having the will of God done in your life. And remember, the will of God, if it's going to be done in your life or not, depends on the choices and the decisions that you take. And I'm saying that as you're taking those choices, as you're making, you know, as you're making those choices, as you're taking those decisions, one of the first things you must ask yourself, does the word of God agree with this thing that I'm doing? Use that as a litmus test and it will help you and it will guide you. Let the word of God be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. It will save you from a lot of heartache, save you from a lot of trouble and you will find yourself in a good place to the glory of God. Next week we will continue. Rise to your feet and let us close. Hallelujah. Father, this evening, I want to thank you for your word. And thank you for this powerful exposition about the word of God and the role it has to play in our decisions and in our choices. So that your will can be done in our lives. I pray, Father, may this word settle deep into our spirits. Give us more revelation and more understanding concerning it. Help us, O oh God, to elevate and to value your word highly in our lives. Let your spirit guide us into your word and make us students of your word in the name of Jesus. And teach us 
how to allow your word to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Thank you, Father, for the many bad things you deliver us from as we give your word first place in our lives. Thank you, Father, tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Give Jesus another hand clap, my friends. Thank you for listening to The Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. We do hope that you were greatly blessed. For further inquiries, please call, WhatsApp, or send an SMS text to plus 233-243-886-622. God bless you.